Today is All Saints Sunday, and it usually comes on November 1st every year. And so it was uh, last Thursday, and uh, so we are celebrating it today. Uh, it is also known as All Hallows Day. So for those of us who are, you know, who abstained from Halloween because we just think it's Satan's work, um, today is our day to celebrate those saints and the ones who have uh, loved us. It is indeed a Christian festival uh, and holy day that is celebrated in uh, most Protestant churches. Uh, one of the reasons that I uh, had to take a few moments this morning is because I remember, and usually when I stand up here, I remember my great-grandmother, and several of you have heard the story, who uh, when I was uh, about Mikey's age or a little bit younger, would always say that I was going to become a pastor and that I was going to be um, a preacher, a minister. And it was her saying that, it, speaking that into my life, and also this overwhelming connection to church that uh, truly led me to believe, as I still believe, and I'm sure that God has called me to the very ministry that I serve in today. We all have stories of someone who has loved us, who has nurtured us, who has shown us a deep amount of compassion and deposited their wisdom into us. I like what Adam read there in the Destiny of the Righteous, which comes from the wisdom of Solomon. But the souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and nor no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish, they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster, and they're going from us to be their destruction, but they are indeed at peace. And I've shared several times whenever I have had some of the worst days, trying days, or I just can't seem to find a sermon idea. I go in my closet, I grab my great-grandmother's old house coat, which has yet to be washed since she passed away. I refuse to wash it. It has little safety pins still in the pocket that she used to keep, always at the ready for whenever anybody needed a safety pin for some reason. And it hangs on one of those satin hangers that have all the cotton and stuff in them, you know. It's one of the only fancy, fancy hangers in the closet. But I go and I get it and I hang it out somewhere. Sometimes I'll say, I'm going to go to sleep now. You need to talk to me. And I wake up and it's clear as day. The answer I needed has been provided. You know, a lot of people want to debate about what happens after one dies and, you know, where you're going to go and did you say the right things? Did you do the right things? I'm confident that many of us have evidence that our loved ones who have passed on have indeed become saints and guide us and love us and nurture us still 
to this day. We have two objectives today, and that is to also talk about preserving our legacy. When I think about my great-grandmother, I also think about the struggles she had. Born in 1912. I'm probably not all that good with US history, but I think that meant she was born without the right to vote. I think that also means that her parents were probably slaves of some sort, as she picked cotton here in Texas. That there was struggle then for people, and there is struggle now for us. There seems in every generation that God is calling us to do something that requires a lot of courage. That God is calling us to stand up and to go beyond our thinking. That God is calling us to repent. You know, I've said it before, repentance is to go beyond the mind that you have and to turn and return to God. In every generation, there's an opportunity for us to build a legacy and to do something that improves our lives and improves the lives of other, others around us and others in our community. Dr. King, and I'm paraphrasing, has said that justice just won't happen. It's not going to roll in on the heels of inevitability. That means that, like those who have gone before us, we cannot chicken out. We can't shirk our responsibility. We can't go somewhere and hide. This is not about being a Democrat or a Republican or how you're going to vote on Tuesday or how you voted. No matter what you think and what your political beliefs are, God is still calling you to participate in the justice and love and peace that must rule and abide in this country. We all have different views about how things are supposed to be solved. That's how God created us. I heard someone say in, in, a, in a mythic tale about how the uh, Egyptian God was created, the name is escaping me right now, but it's similar to our creation story, but that God dispersed God's self out into all of creation, all of living creation. That matches with our story that says we are all created in the image of God. God showing up as all of us, even people that post things that you just can't stand. God showing up as all of us. Even the people that you are struggling with in your families and at your job, God showing up as all of us. And just as all of the saints that have gone before us, they had to learn life lessons. They had to grow. They had to change. They had to achieve their salvation. 
we too have to do the same. What they gave us was the heritage and the legacy of the journey. They did not pass on to us perfection. They did not pass on to us heaven. What they have passed on to us is for us to continue to work towards bringing heaven on earth. Revelations, the writer says, and behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. As I said before, that means some of us are going to be here when the new heaven comes. We must work as they have worked, even in these turbulent, uncertain times. On the front of your bulletin, I place the UCC logo, and some of you are probably wondering why it's there. It says that they might all be one. The United Church of Christ came together in 1957. Two denominations came together, the German Reformed Evangelical and the Congregational Christian Churches, which was really four denominations at some point, but two on both sides had merged. Let me tell you a little bit about the Congregationalists and the Christian Churches. I shared this with Rick and Bruni and Dennis and Ashley yesterday. Let me tell you a little bit about them, and in specific, I want to zoom in on the African-American part of this story. We all think that groups are monolithic, but when these churches came together, the black congregationalists had an issue with the black Christian churches. So even once the United Church of Christ became one, there was this tension inside the black community in the United Church of Christ between the Congregationalist black Christians and the black Christian churches. The black Congregationalists, mostly from the Northeast, Joe Lee's people, <laughs> I'm just telling the truth. Don't you come from the oldest African-American church in the country? That was a Congregationalist church, right? Then one of them, right? They were degreed and educated because the abolitionists, who also, by the way, if you don't know, the abolitionists in this country who fought to remove slavery are from the United Church of Christ. See, this denomination's been at it for a long time. They were Congregationalists, okay? Congregationalists joined into the United Church of Christ. Those Congregationalists who were abolitionists founded several historical black colleges and universities that still exist today. Fisk, Dillard, uh, uh, Houston Tilliston over in Austin. Several black universities that still exist today. Spelman College was founded by somebody who was also white and part of the United Church of Christ. The oldest press company founded in this country by the United Church of Christ. So you had all of these abolitionists who wanted black people to be educated, so they gave them the best education, going to some of these Ivy League schools way back then. Well, the Christian churches were mostly in the South. And so those African Americans didn't get no education. 
So the black Congregationalists, whenever black UCC people got together, the black Congregationalists didn't want to be seen or talked to the black Christian church members because they were ignorant and they didn't know anything and they weren't educated. You know, they, they, they preached sermons without manuscripts and, you know, they just were not fancy and sophisticated enough. Why am I telling you this story? There will always be something, no matter who you are, what race you are, what your political beliefs are, this is the legacy of this country. It is a legacy we need to preserve. Why? Even though it was wrong for the black congregationalists to do that, why? Why must it be preserved? Because we all can't be the damn same. If God has dispersed himself into all of us, how tragic if we all think the same. How tragic if we all vote the same. How tragic if we all want to support the same policies. What we are going through is a little bit of a bumpy road because of the lack of civility. That is not part of the legacy, or that is the le part of the legacy that must die. What we're going through is a lack of civility, but difference, that is the legacy that must be preserved. All of these people on this table thought differently. All of us in this room think differently. I bet you I can pull one liberal Democrat aside and one conservative in this church aside right now and get you to agree on one policy about something. Don't let, most of you are from Texas, let me mention that we want to uh, bring in an income tax. I don't care if you're blue, green, or purple, y'all will, your hairs will stand up on the top of your head. Because that's not something we do in Texas. You'd fight about it. You, would, you, you wouldn't fight about it with a Democrat or a Republican if someone said, we, we want to institute a state income tax in Texas. All hell would break loose. That's why nobody on the left has said anything about trying to do something like that in Texas. But we are all different. That is the legacy. And as painful and as turbulent as it is, we are all working to reveal God more and more and more. That is the beauty of being able to be an individual. That is the beauty of being able to be a unique creation of God, endowed with a mind to think for yourself. That is a legacy that we must preserve. Interesting little tidbit, you know, we are in preparation to unite with, I'm sorry, I'm giving you a school lesson today. I'll, I'll, I'll get to preaching in just a moment. Just, just give me, we, we're getting there. I'll give, you, I'll give you something to kick the pew over with in just a second. Just, just we'll get there. As we are preparing to unite with St. Peter, you know, I've said that we, um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting for us to have discussions about the history of the church, and Jim is, 
is preparing to do a lot of historical research on uh, St. Peter. He's going to be very, very happy. I got lots of boxes he can go through as well, too. Um, as I shared before, it's interesting that at this time in our history, I will become the pastor of, of the Unified Church. A church founded when some of my people were still in chains and shackles. How do we reconcile that? A church where all the pictures over in that historic room, there's only one picture with black people in it, and it's of St. Peter taking pictures of black people doing baptisms down by Buffalo Bayou. How do we reconcile that? One of my friends pastors a church up in Connecticut that's 350 years old. She started a reconciliation project because actually that Congregationalist church did not come out in support of abolishing slavery. And so she's taking them through a reconciliation process. She's not black. It's all white people. There's, it's all them working out their stuff and their history. But St. Peter joined the United Church of Christ. They were German evangelical reform. They come from that side of the house. They joined the United Church of Christ knowing exactly what they were getting into. The UCC has always stood for justice and welcoming people, knowing exactly what they were getting into. They merged with the Reformed and the Evangelical, and then they merged with the United Church of Christ. And now here we have another opportunity to unite and to become one, to continue to transform self and our communities. We spoke the names of those who were brutally taken from us at the Tree of Life congregation. Interesting fact, about five years ago, they too went through a unification. They merged with the or, the or La Simca synagogue to form one synagogue with the purpose of continuing to make the world a better place. Time and again, God calls us to build on the legacies that were there and to extend the justice and love and the purpose of these places. People have asked, well, are we just going to change the name of the church and can we just roll on and can just do and blah, blah, blah. That's not a wise move for us. 170 years of history, 170 years of being in this location, founding this area. There is a history that must be preserved that we can build and live upon. Cathedral of Hope Houston will continue to exist just as part of something greater and something that has a longer, deeper, profound history. The DNA of St. Peter will change because Cathedral of Hope Houston will now be a part of it. We sang the song to give ourselves away Last night, we went to 
a gala with Cleve and Shay, and we got to celebrate him being honored for his work around improving mental health care for, or mental health for children. Several children are being left without parents because they're incarcerated. And that does damage to their mental health. And I don't want to get into arguing about the complete cycle, but of course we can probably all tell that how many black people and Hispanic people and minorities and people who are uh, improportionately incarcerated, which then creates a generation of kids that don't have parents that end up in the foster care system who have to be adopted, creates a generation of kids who have mental health issues, who then in turn sometimes go out and do the same things that their parents did. So there is a larger story and narrative that is here. Part of our job and our calling is to think critically. It's not just Bobby being a bad child. Bobby comes with a story. And Bobby comes with a legacy of something as well, too. And can we reverse those legacies? Can we change those legacies? Can we step in to do something to improve Bobby's life? Yes, we can. I don't know what the future is going to hold in terms of us fighting for justice and advocating for justice, but one thing I can tell you is that I am tired of writing checks and I'm tired of protesting. It is time for us to build institutions and do things that are going to make the difference in people's lives right now. We cannot just sit back and allow this to continue to happen. While Austin is fighting about policy and D.C. is fighting about policy and the rest of us are trying to figure out how to vote, right here at 9022 Long Point, we need to figure out, get our butts in the gear and figure out what is it that we can do to make the difference of lives of people right now. Little Bobby is in hell right now on earth and we can lift him out of it. Little Susie is struggling right now with mental health issues in the fifth grade. What can we do to lift her out of it? Advocacy is, is great. Charity is great. But damn it, do something. Make a difference right now. We cannot afford to sit back and allow our children to go to hell. And I don't mean their souls. I mean their lives right now. We wonder why they have run-ins with police officers because there's probably mental health issues going on. We're wondering why they steal. We're wondering why they're getting into these situations. Because their parents aren't there, the community's not there. We want to talk about hell. That is hell, my friends. The love that we have experienced right here, many of them have not experienced. How can we hold and love and treat and trust them and give them the life that they need? We don't have time to wait. So when I talk about evangelizing, I'm talking about inviting people, getting people here, growing this church. I don't want to grow this church just so the church can be larger and, and I can be seen or we can be seen or we can look good. No, 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 no. We need an organized, concerted, focused 
effort to make a difference in this city. It'll take several of us. It'll take us paying attention to what's happening and not what's said on MSNBC, not what's said on Fox News, and not what's said on ABC 13. Because whatever they have to say, it's only one quarter of the story. All of these issues have stories and lives attached to them. And we start by asking, what then is the legacy of these people who need us? In our Hebrew reading from Isaiah, it said, On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines. You like that, Marcus, don't you? He don't, he don't like the Trader Joe's two-buck chuck, but that's all right. I'll drink it. A feast of choice wines of select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. They mentioned wines three times in here. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all people. The shroud enshrouding all nations will swallow up death forever. The prophet Isaiah was probably really waiting on God to do it to make all of that happen. We're a little bit smarter than that now. If you haven't figured it out yet, for this choice feast to be created where people, all people will be able to celebrate and enjoy in the meal and enjoy these fine select wines, in order for that to happen, I think we finally have figured out God wants it but it's not going to do it for us. The table has to be, be prepared by us. The wine has to be bought by us. The food has to be laid out by us. The invitation has to be given by us. Creating the new table has to be done by us. God has said, yes, I want that for you, but I'm waiting on you to do it. I didn't disperse myself out there for you to sit back and wait on somebody else to do it. I've given you all the power you need. I've given you all the resources you need. I've given you everything you need to lay out this table that welcomes everybody, loves everybody, and seeks justice for everybody. Stop waiting on me. Lay it out. We are a church. The good thing about us is we don't have to wait on legislation to pass. We can do it right now. We don't have to wait on a president because Jesus is our Lord. Not the president, not the senator, but Jesus. We can do it right now. We don't have to wait on policies to reverse and change. We can do it right now, right here, and create a new legacy that says we are not going to wait on the politicians. We are going to save people right now, their souls, their lives, their physical beings. We're going to do it right here, right now. And then we shall all rejoice at that great feast that God has helped us to prepare for all people. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you. You may be seated.